0: Hi, my name is DJ Shrishler, and this is Process Out Loud, the podcast. It's a space where I reflect on everything that I've learned from teaching and studying during the previous week. Most of the content will refer to my experiences in the Masters of Design program, the MDES, through the School of Design at the University of Cincinnati's College of Design, Architecture, Art, and Planning, otherwise known as DAP. While there's a lot to cover in one week, I try to keep the episodes brief at about 10 minutes each. I hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, It's a Tuesday. Got uh, March 16th. Still getting used to daylight savings time and still tired. I hate to complain, but this semester has been really hard. And I think it has to do with uh, it being a year since COVID has uh, shut down the country, the United States where I live, and um, I know it's been longer for some of you, so I'm I i um, I'm sorry that you have had several extra months, maybe if you're in, in Europe or in parts of Asia, um, under lockdown. Um, but I'm feeling the weight of it. And not only that, um, I think it's just been a year. There's There's been a lot that has happened um, in the United States and elsewhere. Um, again, the pandemic, but I think a lot of the, um, I don't know, the social unrest that we've seen because of police brutality um, towards black people in our country. And then that also awakening a lot of people um, or invigorating, reinvigorating a lot of people towards um, racial inequalities in this country, including myself. Um, And so I think there's just a lot um, that, that are that are invisible. The pandemic is causing us to be stuck inside. We're not getting the social connections. Um, I think wanting to fix the problems in our country is, is a often a mental challenge and uh, dismantling and disforming. I, I talked to my spiritual director this past week and she said something like, um, the transformation part is, is easy. It's the, this deformation part that's hard. And she talked about how it's almost like in Star Trek when a person gets beamed up, they're just all these particles and you don't know where they're gonna go. And and that dismantling and deformation process is like being these particles just bouncing off each other. Like, where are we going? Um, uh, A thing I've been using lately is that this pandemic's like a marathon, but the the finish line keeps changing. And um, it's hard to know how to pace uh, myself through this, and I don't think I've done a very good job at pacing myself. I think I've worked too hard. I've not relaxed enough. Um, and I'm not even sure some of the work that I've done is all that great because I'm not coming from a, a place of um, rest, I guess. But I don't even know what that looks like at the moment. So I, yeah, I, I too, just another thing that I'm thinking about is my thesis. and and wrapping my head around a lot of big stuff that is overwhelming. And um, I feel very much humbled in my lack of knowledge um, of different philosophies and um, ideas and writings. And um, oftentimes I feel like, oh yeah, like because it's the first time I'm approaching, I'm like, wow, I'm sometimes surprised that other people have already written about it and that sounds so egotistical but then it's also humbling like oh all right somebody else has written about it this is something else i have to read and wrap my head around Um, i understand why focus is important um, when coming up with a thesis and i also understand now why some writers write very specifically about specific things and don't include other things because there's just so much knowledge out there and there's only so much that can fit into an 8,000 word article or paper or thesis or project. Um, And so I think that's where I am is the particles are all like buzzing around and influenced by a lot of different things happening in the world and country, my street, and not sure where it's going. Um, And I need a little bit of focus and not sure how to pace myself, not sure how to um, know when to stop and when to start and so that's where I'm coming from. Uh, I hope that's not too much information, but um, that's where I am today, and uh, I I have <laughs> been feeling more lament uh, is a word that we talk about at church on Sundays, like lament. Um, I think we're often afraid to do that. I'm often afraid to take take time to lament. It's, you hear a lot, like, be grateful, be grateful, but I find lamenting things is also helpful to just acknowledge them, state what's obvious or state what's not obvious and um, go from there. Um, but yeah, I feel feel a little bit of lament at the moment. And uh, yeah, <laughs> anyways, that's not what I want to talk about today. Exactly. I want to talk about um, where I'm thinking I'm going with my thesis and trying to start to find focus and see where the particles end up. I found some articles recently that attribute, I guess you could say, the erosion of community, um, an erosion of collective action, as Catherine Dean um, calls it. They have a book called um, Capitalism and Citizenship, The Impossible Partnership, and also an article from way back in '97 that they wrote as a, their PhD about um, how neoliberalism erodes political engagement and political commitment. And that's interesting. I, I've found some other articles out there too that, um, let's see, talk about, or, or I've heard too, like, Robert Putnam talks about how people used to be more collectively engaged in in the common good. He thinks about his town growing up and how they've how as a group of people, we've lost that sense of civic engagement and and collective engagement. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with neoliberalism, it kind of came on board in the 1980s. before that, maybe we were still operating in like a, the New Deal, Keynesian era economics, um, where it was okay for the government to take care of um, its citizens and, and use money and taxes. And um, maybe it wasn't a perfect world, but in neoliberalism, it's really the combination of like, the capitalistic system and an economic system, uh, the capitalistic economic system kind of having free range and and the government getting out of the way and taking austerity measures. You think of like Reaganomics and and Thatcher in in the UK where um, it's almost like private industry can, can take care of these things. And there's a term trickle down economics that if you take the taxes away and regulations away from the companies, the corporations and the rich, that it'll somehow trickle down into um, maybe jobs or benefits for um, for people who aren't so rich or aren't so invested in. Um, and so what's interesting about this to me is I'm really fascinated and wanting to know how to like get more involved in my local neighborhood, my local community, and, and um, function at that level. And, uh, you know, it's, just not in the the waves it's not in the airwaves um, to do that because i mean as i've i've learned um it's almost like we like become citizens through consuming not through doing and um design plays a role in that Um, guy julier talks about in an article from design culture design activism that even like this idea of design activism is to push against neoliberalism but it's actually operating in neoliberalism which it helped create so neoliberalism, um, in the eighties through now, has like perpetuated a corporate culture which design has benefited from, and design has fought to be at the table, by proving its worth um, and adding value, which is essentially adding value to this like kind of idea of like problem solving through the free market and um, entrepreneurship, and um, it all kind of plays into, a, in a sense, like the American individualism concept, and so. I guess what I'm trying to stretch at here is that design has played a role in the lack of civic engagement that we see um, locally, nationally, and um, design has propped up neoliberalism and neoliberalism has propped up design. But what happens if design can start to prop up civic engagement and take stock of the ways in which it is entrenched in neoliberalism? I am a neoliberal. I think I've probably said this already I didn't know it. It's like fish in the water. I think I've already said that too. It's like the same as white habitus. You don't even know it until, until somebody points it out. And so what happens when design starts to come from, and I start to come from more of a reflexive standpoint that I am neoliberal and considering ideas of positionality and power um, and then approaching design activism. And at a very small scale, like my neighborhood, and design itself, the process not the materials, not the objects to be consumed, but the verb design becomes a way of bringing people together. And um, I just saw an article that I'm interested in reading that came out in 2020 about mattering at the intersection of psychology, philosophy, and politics. And mattering meaning like feeling like a form of belonging in a space. Um, I think oftentimes design works to give feelings of of contribution of belonging through branding and consumerism and there's there's actually interesting ways in which that's that's really like maybe there's there's paradoxes or heterodox ways of heterodoxical ways of um, participating neoliberalism that that um, flip the dominant narratives um, and that's I think we're seeing that in and I've, I've read about that in like queer culture and um, through, through fashion, which I'm reading in, in the beauty, race, and gender class. But what about in, <laughs> like in the neighborhood? How does, that, how does that happen? How do we move away from um, the neoliberal consumeristic stance or inclination and, and build something together and maybe um, do design to feel the feeling of belonging Um, through building something not through consuming something and building something doesn't have to be something tactile or or um, an artifact it could be just the act of coming together and seeing one another and hearing each other's stories and how does design play a role in that and I feel like that's activism because in a lot of ways, I've seen activism as being the opposite of monasticism. Um, and right now my street and your street and most streets are probably just a bunch of monastic cells, houses, apartments, where we stay in them. We don't come out and talk to our neighbors, except for maybe like some event, um, almost like the monks in the desert um, outside of Egypt who escaped, in some ways they were escaping consumerism and um, the dominant culture. But I think we've seen like a reverse monasticism and and i see design activism as a way of pulling people out of their houses and engaging with one another and and um, connecting with one another and maybe in that way that can um, undermine the dominant narrative which i see in design school which i see in, in the world which is like you know go start a business this business will save businesses will save the world and change the climate and all that stuff and connect people um but that like what if we took out that like middle idea of consumerism? What if there was no money involved at all in this neighborhood project? What if there was no business started or nonprofit started or brand made? But, but just the verb design and the verb connection and the, and, and, and more ideas of belonging in the end. Um, So I, I don't know, I'm rambling a lot here today and I think I'm going to take a nap. I hope you uh, are connecting with this. And if not, let's connect and talk. And um, thanks for listening, those of you who are out there listening.